Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kike. Hello, Jamie Van Kike here, and welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. This week, we are continuing on the topic that I introduced last week in episode seven about employees versus independent contractors. So last week, I briefly gave you an introduction to what is an employee and what is an independent contractor. As I mentioned in that episode, this is something that I see many small businesses get wrong, and when they get it wrong, it can have big impacts on their business and huge financial impacts. Today, I am bringing on April Goodwind, who is a lawyer in the state of Florida who focuses mostly on employment law and issues dealing with employees. One of the issues that she deals with a lot is employee misclassification. So this is when companies hire people with an independent contractor status so that they can avoid paying the employee level taxes and avoid the responsibility that comes with having employees. But really, the way the government defines employees versus independent contractors, these people are employees, not independent contractors. The cases that April deals with are on both sides, where it's the person who was misclassified going after the company because they are owed taxes and possibly other back benefits. And she also, in certain cases, represents the company who has these cases coming against them because they made mistakes and they misclassified their team members. And when someone should have been an employee, they accidentally or sometimes maliciously had them as independent contractors. So we are going to dig into really what is the legal ramifications of misclassifying your team members in some things that you can be aware of and steps you can take so you avoid team member misclassification and avoid the hefty legal fines and other government fines that come with it when a case is presented because you misclassified your team members, which happens more often than people think it does. So let's jump into the interview. Welcome, April. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can you kick us, me. Yeah, can you kick us off with telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes, uh, I am a Florida attorney. I've been an attorney in Florida for 18 years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, over 18 years. And uh, and my firm is the Goodwin Firm. It's in Largo, Florida. I do practice throughout Florida and state and federal courts. And uh, our firm focuses on uh, representing uh, employers uh, and, and, and to some extent employees in uh, employment matters, you know, anything ranging from, you know, uh, you just need some contract or you need someone to talk to to know whether or not you know, it's legal, uh, something you want to do or don't want to do, or all the way up to 
you know, uh, a, a lawsuit and, and going all the way to trial. Wow, awesome. You know, there's so many different parts of law and so many different things that you can practice. What made you choose this particular part of law? That's a good question. My mother was a, a human resource, still is actually kind of in the human resources field. Um, so it was something that um, I, you know, grew up with being, you know, kind of surrounded by, you know, these types of issues. So it was just something that was always kind of interesting to me. Uh, work is certainly something that uh, any, you know, busy professional knows it takes up a huge part of our lives. Um, so it, it's something that affects everybody um, pretty much um, at, at some point. So uh, just, you know, was something that, you know, it's interesting. It's an ever-changing law. It's, uh, I had an intern tell me one time, you do really hard stuff, you know? <laughs> so it's definitely intellectually uh, stimulating um, and, uh, and it never, no day is the same. So it, it fulfills that need too. Yeah, I definitely agree that employment law is is very challenging, especially with yeah. all the laws, the different laws that are cha- like, you know, things changing now and then as new things, bills get passed, as new protections are put in place. It's even, I would say, more difficult when your business and your staff is crossing state lines. So not only do you have to worry about what's going on in your state, you have to worry about what's going on in a different state. And it's like, which one takes priority? And, and I was just like, oh my goodness, I am so glad that there's people like you that as business owners, we can turn to because we're never going to know it all. Like, yeah, And you right. put yourself at a lot of risk when you don't get the right support in this area. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and crossing state lines, especially now with, with the internet really, you know, loosened up as far as who qualifies as, you know, marketing across state lines. Um, some of the some of the laws, the federal laws, you know, um, because of the way the Constitution is written and everything, are supposed to only apply to interstate commerce. Well, they apply to everybody. You know, you can have a local, for example, law firm, and they still have to follow the federal, you know, laws. And not just because a lot of times there's state laws that, that go along with that too, but also because you know you've got a website, you're involved in interstate commerce. You've got a you're getting, uh, you know, your shipment of supplies from, you know, Staples, which is based in, I don't even know where, but not Florida. You're involved in, you know, um, interstate commerce, you know, so right. the way our, our economy is now is pretty much everybody's involved in interstate commerce, which opens you up to a whole lot of, uh, you know, different aspects of, of liability and responsibility as an employer. Well, I would say that's definitely really interesting and something that I never thought of because I just always assumed you know, not being in the law myself, that federal law trumped everything just because it was kind of federal law in terms of like the minimums that you had to follow. Then obviously if your state law is more restrictive or stuff like that, you had to follow that. But that I never thought about, even if you're not employing those, that you're crossing state lines with everything that we do because of the fact that it's, you know, yeah, you're going to order off of Amazon or Staples, you're not necessarily going to always be going to the person that's right next door and having just that local economy. As much as we love supporting local and supporting local businesses, there's so many aspects of your business that are just going to be crossing state lines because that's the way it is. Correct, correct. And, and there is some, what you talked about, you know, is, is what the, uh, when there's a conflict between state and federal, and I don't want to get too bogged down in constitutional law, but there is, there are some things that, you know, do that, uh, you know, that comes up if, you know, for example, uh, a good example would be like, say, California or New York that's got a lot more liberal uh, state employment laws, their laws are going to trump the, the federal law in some circumstances just because they're giving employees more rights. 
um, but some others they don't, and that gets really complicated. Fortunately for me, in most cases, the federal and the state uh, law in Florida, you know, coincide with each other, uh, and they, they pretty much track each other. So there's there's not a whole lot of that analysis. But sometimes when there's a conflict, you do have to think about whether it's federal or state, regardless of being involved in interstate commerce, whether those apply. But again, I don't want to get too bogged down in that because it doesn't apply to Florida. And, so we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting you did bring up California. You know, when I'm talking to someone and students are like, well, I live in California or I'm going to hire someone in California. I was like, oh my goodness, like you definitely need to talk to an employment lawyer because there are so many things that you have to worry about. And I was even talking to someone the other week who does a lot of HR handbook policy writing. And she goes, oh, I, I just won't work with someone if they're in California because there's so many things that you have to worry about. She goes, but it's always good to keep an eye on those laws because most of them end up trickling down to other states because other states take them on. Uh, but for the purpose of today, we really wanted to talk about employees versus independent contractors. So many things we can talk about with employee employment law, but I really feel like this is a, a topic that most people really don't understand, even though... It's something that if they're employing people and hiring members for their teams, they're dealing with it all the time. And I think people are always putting themselves at risk for what is employee misclassification. Can you tell us a little bit about that, a little bit about the difference between employees and independent contractors? And sure, absolutely. That? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess a little caveat here, since we brought up California, uh, uh, California just signed a new law that, um, that uh, has taken effect about independent contractors. And I'm not a California attorney, so I'm not going to talk about it. So uh, if you are in California, then you should definitely talk to a California attorney, uh, employment attorney about that new law and how it's affecting people. And that might, the news is that, you know, people uh, who uh, on the employee side are hopeful that that will end up being across the country, but it's not yet in California. So anyway, so the difference is, um, you know, between the uh, independent contractor and an employee, really are the IRS has a, a 20 point, uh, you know, uh, checklist basically to determine whether or not a, uh, a you know, uh, 20 factors to look at whether or not somebody's an employee or an independent contractor. So a lot of, you know, my employer clients know think okay well I've I've got somebody you know who I'm going to call an independent contractor and they're they're gonna they agree to being an independent contractor and therefore they're an independent contractor it's not something that you can as an you know uh, an individual um, or a business for that matter you know contract away that you can say okay I agree that you know I'm not an independent contractor um, this is applies whether or not they agree to it it is what it is um, it's not, you can't just say, call yourself an independent contractor, call your employee an independent contractor and make it so. So really um, what courts look at, what the IRS look at, it's the same thing, is whether or not there are a, um, you know, the totality of their circumstances. Um, and, you know, an employee is, you know, the, the, there's pros and cons to each one from a business perspective as to whether or not you wanted someone to be an employee or an independent contractor you know uh but uh really um it comes down to how much control you have over that individual so if you are telling them you know when where to go what to do when they get there what time to be there um you know how the work is done then that's 
assume to be more likely an employment relationship? Are you having to train them? Is there a company, you know, provided training, orientation, you know, things of that matter? Um, you know, uh, how much, um, you know, are they integrated into your particular business? Are they, um, you know, how significantly do they affect your business? Are they like paralegals in the legal sense? A lot of times uh, uh, law firms want to make their paralegal an independent contractor, um, especially new younger law firms. And they're just, you know, maybe the attorney's busy and they don't have time to deal with figuring out the tax implications and everything. So they just go, oh, you're an independent contractor, it's 1099. You know, um, those are things that they can't really, um, you know, your paralegal is a lot of times, you know, if they're running the show, which a lot of times in law firms they are, um, you know, they are not, um, you know, they're probably not going to be an independent contractor. So somebody that office man or somebody like that is, is really not going to be an independent contractor. They're really, you know, integral to your business, you know. How much control do they have over of their own day? Um, they That is, you know, and their, their work. That is another, you know, indication that if they don't have a lot of that control, and they're not, you know, they're they're going to be, you know, an employee. Um, you know, the quintessential um, example that I use is you're hiring a plumber. Okay, you're hiring a plumber. Your plumber tells you when they're going to be there. They may coordinate it with you, but it's, you know, it's it's a back and forth. You know, same thing with their price. They set the price. They tell you how much it's going to be. You can say no. You can negotiate with them, but there, it's really up to them whether they're willing to do the work for that price. And they also bring their own tools. That's another key example. If you're providing everything to the person who's doing the work, uh, you know, in, in an office context, it may be a computer, it may be a, a phone, um, in uh, you know, another, you know, uh, trade context, it may be their tools, the truck, things like that, then they are more likely to be determined to be an employee. Um, so, you know, but your plumber who you call up and, and come to your house, you know, they bring their own tools. Um, they can also take other jobs. That's another test is whether or not they are able to do other work for other people. If they're working for you full time, they can't do that. You have the, you know, some interesting you know, uh, thoughts as to whether or not if you have a non-compete, you've got to be careful with that as well with independent contractors. You can do it, but you have to word it pretty carefully. Um, so those things are you know, also look at it because really the idea of an independent contractor is you're supposed to be able to go out and, you know, you don't just have one client, you know, you, you, this is your business, you're out there doing it for other people. So you have somebody who it's, you know, day in, day out, they're coming and working for you. You've got a continuity of relationship there. That's going to be more of an employee, employer relationship. Although if it's, you know, a project base, again, it's your go-to plumber, you know, and you have, you know, them, then that's obviously, that, that's okay. Um, it's really more project-based a lot of times, independent contractors as well. Um, right. That's always and, one thing that I, like, try to remind my clients of is, like, I want this person who's going to be a member of my team forever. I want them to grow with my company. And I'm like, well, independent contractors are really more project-based. I was like, the name itself, like, contractors, it has contract in there. Contracts are normally you know, time-based, project-based, there's right. normally a clear beginning and a clear end unlike employment where it continues on until someone decides, hey, this relationship's no longer working. Right, right. And, and another thing too is, you know, we're an at-will state here in Florida, which at-will means and people confuse right to work with at-will and right to work is a union thing, but at-will means 
either side can terminate an employment relationship. So you get into, if you start using that kind of language or, or behaving that way, you know, and really that's what, what, you know, with an independent, you know, contractor or employee relationship and determining that, the, the, the courts and the IRS are going to look at what are you actually doing? Not what did you put in writing, not, you know, what, what do, you know, you agree to or they agree to, but what's actually going on. So if you're actually, you know, saying, um, you know, treating it as an at-will kind of situation where, hey, you know, they can leave at any time, I can leave at any time, then that lends itself to being more of an employer-employee relationship a lot of times as well, because a contract is usually, like you said, for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And so, or a certain project, like, hey, you're going to do this for me, and it may be till it's done, but you're going to do this for me. Again, the plumber, you're going to fix my thing, right? Right. And, and when that's done, then you know, will be done. And if my, you know, toilet also needs to be fixed, then that'll be another, you know, contract. It doesn't necessarily need to be in writing, but it's some sort of agreement that we have, that that's the way this is going to happen. Um, and you're not just, you know, hanging out in my house, coming to my house every day from nine to five and fixing whatever happens to need fixing, you know, um, that, that would be more of a, you know, an employee relationship. So, right. so those kinds of things, you know, definitely are, are looked at as well. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think you like you made an interesting point, uh, and this is why I think you know it needs a lot of clarification for people. Is there's a lot of bad advice out there when people are coming to hire. Like I see it constantly in a lot of Facebook groups and chats that I'm in, where as soon as someone's like mentions anything about employees, it's like, why do you have them as employees? Just hire them as an independent contractor. You save so much money for taxes. And I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, like no, like that's not the way to look at things. Like look at the relationship. The relationship is what dictates what they are, not just because you decide or how you want to pay your taxes or, right. or if they sign a contract. And that's one thing people have to understand. They're like, they're like, well, they signed a contract that's saying that they're independent contractors. So I'm good. I'm covered. Nothing right. can happen to me. And it's like, and people need to understand that you can't have someone sign away like their rights. You know, that contract would be reviewed to see if it's actually legit. And the IRS is not going to care that you have a contract. They're going to care about the relationship. And that brings right. me kind of like to the next thing. It's like, you know, helping people understand why misclassification is such a big deal and what can happen if you do get misclassify an employee and you're caught. Like what happens? Right. So there, there's a few things and, 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 and people need to, you know, understand too that, you know, at the time of, and this is true of any relationship, everybody's happy. So mar marriages, you know, the happiest marriages can end in divorce. So everybody's happy and agreeable when it starts, right? But the problem is things go bad, which happens or I wouldn't have a job or I'd be doing a different kind of law, right? So what could go wrong is that, first of all, and I'm not a tax attorney, I'm not a CPA. Um, you know, my joke is always nobody should get tax advice from me. It was not my best grade in law school. So, um, you know, yeah, and everybody laughs at that because they probably feel the same as they had done in law school. So, um, but they is a, uh, so you know, seek advice for that, but you can get into trouble with the IRS. But where, and it comes into a, a situation with the employment context is, um, you know, I want just to go back to the IRS a little bit. The differences are, if, for those who maybe don't realize what the benefit is to having an independent contractor from a tax standpoint, is that, yes, you do pay less. You don't pay the payroll taxes. The employee would pay them, um, you know, pay their own Medicaid, Medicare you know, uh, or, you know, or Medicare, I'm sorry, you know, Social Security, you know, those kinds of things. Unemployment taxes, you, you wouldn't, you know, you don't pay that um, either. Um, 
uh, with an independent contractor. So, you know, and it's, it, frankly, it's, you know, the first time I hired an employee for, you know, my firm, it was, I was like, oh, this is kind of a pain. You know, just the paperwork alone is kind of, it is, it's, you know, I can't lie, it's kind of a pain now once you get into the groove of doing it, it's not so bad. But it is, you know, especially the first time you're learning about it and setting things up, it is kind of a pain. And I really believe that a lot of times it's not to save money on the taxes the way people do it, it's just easier. Yeah. You know, again, by the time you're hiring your first, you know, employee or two, you're busy. You waited too long probably to hire them. And so now you're just like, I can't deal with this. I'm just going to 1099 you, kick the can down the road. I'll worry about it at the end of the year or beginning of next year when I you know do my 1099. So that, you know, that's not a good thing to have because what can happen in an employment context is employees are entitled to and cannot waive away, whether they're employees or independent contractors, cannot waive away their federal, uh, you know, and state, uh, you know, employment rights. Uh, in particular, the FLSA, the Fair Labor Standards Act, that dictates um, your uh, uh, your right as an employee to overtime and, and the minimum wage, the federal minimum wage. Florida has a separate Florida minimum wage as well, which is higher, uh, which most people know, but and that changes every year, um, the amount. But the federal minimum wage and, and the overtime, you know, statutes, um, you know, they apply to employees only. So, and same thing with discrimination and all, you know, FMLA, you know, Family Medical Leave Act, uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act, all those things are employed for employees. You have to be an employee to get that. So if you're an independent contractor, you lose those rights. And so misclassification is important because you could really run into a lot of uh, liability if otherwise, if they had been, in, you know, you had classified them as an employee and you probably treated as an employee, not only would you be paying part of their taxes, so they're out money there, but you would also, you know, if they had worked overtime, if they had, uh, you know, a minimum wage issue, a, a discrimination issue, a family medical leave act issue, something like that, they, you know, you might not have given that to them because you thought they were an independent contractor. And so you are looking at a lot of problems. I've had, I've seen cases where, you know, uh, it comes up a lot with the overtime because people don't pay overtime because they're an independent contractor, they're not an employee. Well, if they're actually an employee, yes, you would be liable for overtime or, you know, potentially, you know, time they've been working for you. Um, you know, you would then, if you get sued for that, you'd have to pay their attorney's fees uh, by the hour um, for what they've done in addition to having to pay your own attorney to defend it. Um, so it can get very, very pricey, even if it's just, you know, you end up the employee themselves only gets, you know, a couple hundred bucks. I've seen cases where I've, you know, had uh, employees who I've represented who it was $600 that they ended up owing for the employee for overtime, which actually in, under the FLSA, you end up owing 1200 because you owe double. Um, there's a provision in there where it's called liquidated damages, where you would owe twice the amount. Um, and then, uh, and then ended up, you know, having to pay because they fought it for so long, six figures in attorney fees to the other side. Wow. You know, and, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's just silly. Um, and then right. this was an independent contractor situation. So I think you brought up a really good point about how relationships can go be going well and then go south and you never know. Like a lot of people talk about how, like you mentioned, all marriages start great and then they can go south and people get divorced and it's the same with your employee contractor relationships. My first job out of college, I was hired as an independent contractor when I was clearly an employee. There was no doubt about it. I was an employee, but I took the job because 
I didn't understand the difference. So when he, here it is, my first full-time job, and they're telling me, this is the tax form you have to fill out. This is what it means. I just thought it was different because, once again, this is my first full-time job. I had no idea about taxes or anything like that. So I just took it for what they told me because they're the business owner. They should know, know what's best, right? And it wasn't until the first time I filed for taxes and we, I was talking about things like with my parents and they're like, you're not an independent contractor, you're an employee. And then I started researching it. And you know, they kind of said, well, you can go and do something about it, but you're most likely gonna lose that job. So if you like where you work, maybe just suck it up and deal with that. And then that job started to go south. And when that relationship finally ended, because I stood up for myself and I said, hey, if you're gonna classify me as an independent contractor, then this is the way the relationship's gonna go. And they said, well, we don't want a relationship that way. So we're ending the relationship. They decided to withhold money that was mine, that I had earned. And I was like, you can't not pay me for stuff that I've done. So, and I told them, I was like, if you do not pay me the money that you owe me, I'm gonna turn you in for misclassification. And it was one of those situations where, yeah, it started off great. I had no intentions for over the first year that I was working there of ever turning him in for misclassification at first because I didn't know. And then because I liked where I was working and then things changed quickly to it was toxic. And, and it was to the point where it was like, I felt like I didn't have a choice but to turn them in for misclassification because I was being hurt as that worker of not getting not being treated the way I should have been treated, not getting the money that I was owed, you know, and so many things. So it's like, yeah, it's one of those things you never know when someone's going to turn and you're going to then be found that you're misclassifying your, your team members, your employees. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's that. And then also what can happen sometimes too is, and, and you're right, you know, a lot of times employees don't realize you know, uh, or individuals, you know, don't don't realize they think the same thing that a lot of employers think. I signed something that said I was an independent contractor or whatever. Or I hear the term and I hear it more from employers, but they'll say like, oh, they're a 1099 employee. That, that doesn't exist. That, that's not a thing. You know, a, a, you're a, an independent contractor or an employee. There's no such thing as a 1099 employee. Yes. And, 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 you know, employers, you know, constantly conflate those things. So in addition to, let's say you go, okay, well, I'm just going to make sure they don't work over 40 hours, okay? I'm going to make sure that I'm paying them at least minimum wage. So what else, in addition to the tax liability, from an employment standpoint, you can also be responsible for just the fact that you took away some of those rights that they may have had to, if there was an you know, overtime issue, or if there was a discrimination issue, then now, all of a sudden, you know, you've taken away, you know, that right, and, 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 and that may hold some sort of value. The other thing too is that you know the one the, in Florida the law the statute the law that that um, employers get sued under for misclassification is the Florida Deceptive and Unfair Trade Practices Act, which also carries with it um, you know uh, attorneys fees that you may have to pay if you win, uh, or I'm sorry if the employee wins, and and that is um, well either side wins to be honest with you, but um, it gets the prevailing party fees paid. So you won, you get, you know, the, the fees uh, of your attorney and the cost of the litigation, you know, paid. So the question then, you know, for that, what you're liable to a lot of times are things that, you know, maybe if you have other actual employees, are you contributing to their 401k? Do they get vacation time? Do they, do those actual employees get sick time? Do they, are there benefits, insurance, you know, all those kinds of things 
that if this independent contractor had been properly classified, they would have also received. Um, again, you know, with the ACA, the American, uh, uh, the Affordable Care Act, um, you know, if you have a certain amount of employees, you're subject to that. So if, you know, things like that, you know, they could have, you know, had, again, you know, health insurance that you would have had to, to provide for them um, if they had, you know, been, you know, properly classified. And so that is, that can get very pricey. FedEx, for example, and this is in California, but they had a, you know, a, a, a class action, you know, a lawsuit that was under the federal law filed against them for misproper, you know, for misclassification. And they lost. And because obviously they've got employees and they provide really good benefits to those employees. And also because it was so many uh, who were uh, filing uh, and who were subject to this misclassification, it was, they settled for, you know, over $200 million. Wow. Um, yeah. So it is, it is a real uh, risk uh, to, to employers to misclassify their their uh, employees as independent contractors. And, and, and again, I acknowledge the fact as an employer myself, it is a pain, especially when you're first setting it up to, to do that sometimes. It is, it is uh, you know, the tax burden can, can be a lot if you're cutting it close and you're just, you know, it's not just because you're greedy, maybe, you know, things are tight, but you still have to do it. It's just not worth the risk. And again, somebody leaves um, and it's all well and good. And then, uh, you know, they, they're mad about why they, they things went south. I, you know, I've, you know, seen cases where a case starts out as a discrimination case and it's not really that good of a discrimination case because those cases are actually really hard. But geez, you misclassified them and you should have paid them, you know, overtime or, or whatever. And now this crappy discrimination case that they're mad, you know, that's the reason why they called an attorney. Now all of a sudden, you know, you've got an attorney looking at it and they see all these other things there with misclassification. And now you've got, you know, uh, a, a real problem on your hands. Uh, so, so you just really have to be careful with that because yeah, like you said, you know, things start out all hunky-dory and then uh, can go, go south uh, fast. And, and we, exactly. And yeah. Exactly. And I know we're talking more about like the, the legal side here, but I know from all the research that I have done on the IRS sides pro from a tax side, they'll find you differently if they think you did it on purpose versus you just didn't understand. So they have a thing in there where it's, you know, I think, malicious intent. So, they, right. so if they see a pattern, they believe you should have known the difference, like you're going to get heftier fines than if they're like, okay, you made a mistake. We're still going to fine you because you made a mistake and you didn't file your taxes properly. So here's a fine. But yeah, if you right. do it, if they determine there's malicious intent there, you get bigger fines. Oh, absolutely, and the and the um, IRS actually has a as a well, and, and also too, that's also true in a, in a lawsuit, you know, uh, standpoint because of punitive damages and your intent and all of that. And and if you did it, even if you don't have those kinds of damages of, hey, you did this maliciously, and so we're going to, you know, you're you're opening yourself up to more in a lawsuit. Um, just from a, if you decide to fight it the whole way, a jury perspective, you know, they're going to not be as kind to you right. <laughs> if, if, if it comes out that you did this on, you know, on purpose, um, you know, and this is an employment context, but I like using this because everybody knows about the McDonald's lawsuit for 2 million or whatever, which or she didn't actually end up getting. That's a whole other issue. But one reason why the jury came up with that high number because they didn't like the, I think it was the CEO of McDonald's, but the McDonald's person who testified because they said, yeah, we know our coffee's hot. We don't really care. We know some people are going to be injured. We don't really care. They didn't like him, so they dinged him. Now that right. happens, you know. Right. So, um, but the IRS actually has a program that 
And because here's the thing too. So there may be people listening or, or people out there who think like business owners who think like, oh crap, I misclassified people. I just hope, you know, let's pray that, you know, the people I have now, nothing goes bad and I'll just, you know, fix it from here on out. The IRS has a, a voluntary classification settlement program that you can, you know, um, uh, VCSP is, you know, the abbreviation for it. And you can, you know, look that up online and, and participate in that where uh, you have to be eligible. And I don't know, again, I'm not a tax attorney, so I don't know all the eligibility requirements. But if you want to reclassify, they will then kind of give you some relief on your past federal employment taxes that you may owe. So okay. it's, that's worth checking out. Because again, the, the risk is really there from not only the IRS perspective, but also the employment perspective. And, uh, and it's worth doing that. And it's much better to do that. And the other thing with overtime and, and um, uh, you know, minimum wages, those have very short statute limitations. That is how long the employees have to, to sue. It's two years, whereas a lot of lawsuits are four years. Like discrimination is like four years, most of it. So, excuse me. So they are very, um, you know, uh, you can, you know, limit some of your liability there too. It's better to fix it. You know, even if they're still working for you under this, you know, way, it's better to fix it. And the, and the and chances are the, you know, person will appreciate it as well. Maybe not because maybe they're not paying their taxes and they'd rather have the money now than later or whatever. And, and think like, okay, well, you know, if, if I won't, you know, claim everything or I can be creative or whatever on my taxes as a, you know, employee or as an independent contractor more than I could be as an employee. So, you know, there's benefits to the employee as well, but really you just, you gotta be really careful because when things go south, um, it, it, it's bad and you can't retaliate. If somebody, you know, that's a very good point. And I, I've told employees that too, that, okay, we can, you know, you can file a lawsuit, you can fight this now, but you know, you, they may fire you. If you do that, that's retaliation as an employer. That is illegal, that's a whole other lawsuit. Even if the employee was wrong, even if they turned out, oh, no, maybe they really shouldn't have been an independent contractor, but you fired him for that. That could be a retaliation case. Mm -hmm. um, but um, that is, so that is something as well. Now that said, the reality of it is, is you know, um, it does happen, but in, it's very, you know, you're opening yourself up to a whole other issue of retaliation. In fact, most claims uh, that involve employment, whether it's discrimination or, or overtime or what have you, misclassification, uh, a lot of them involve retaliation as well. And that's really where employers get into trouble. So if somebody does complain about this, you can't, you know, uh, legally anyway, you know, fire them or discipline them in any way for doing that. Just get it fixed. And, um, and uh, if you need to get it fixed and uh, go from there, but yeah, firing them or, or disciplining them um, for uh, that um, is, um, is, is very, as a whole other problem that could really uh, open you up to a lot of liability. Wow, I wish I knew that because when I was like, go after calling out that I was an independent con, like it was an employer relationship and not an independent contractor relationship, and they ended it, I was like, maybe I could have made a lot of money off of that <laughs> decision. Yeah. But well, you know, exactly. it, somebody could have, yeah, the, the, maybe the lawyer who was representing you would have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe I could have earned you a lot of money off of that, <laughs> that thing. But, but yeah, that's always one thing I, I tell my clients a lot of times, like when it comes to certain things, like obviously I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. So I'm always like, maybe sometimes we need to go get legal representation when you need to run this by an attorney. But I always tell them is like, just because you can't win a lawsuit doesn't mean someone won't, they won't try. 
So, right. you know, they could come after you and like saying that you misclassified or saying like you did these things and they, they have no really leg to stand on and they won't try, but that still takes your time. So even if the other person loses and they have to pay both sides lawyer fees, you still get so much time sucked away. And as a small business owner, you don't have time to spend on legal issues when you could have just done things right and properly and made sure you cross your T's and dot your I's from the beginning. All right. the beginning well, what I always tell people is, you know, as an attorney, I think every attorney gets asked this question, you know, by friends, family members, random people on the street. You know, can I sue so-and-so for this, you know, about anything, right? And my stand, you know, uh, my response is to that. This is America. You can sue anybody for anything. Um, the question is whether or not you, know, you can win and if you win, how much you can win. And, right. and the thing with a business is a business can't represent itself in litigation. So that means you have to get an, an attorney. So even if it's complete BS, you have to hire an attorney to review that and to get it. And there's no guarantee that if you just go and get dismissed, you probably won't get your attorney to pay back. You know, that's, that's the prevailing party. So it means, you know, if you take it all the way or if it goes to a certain point and there's a judgment in your favor, then, you know, you have an argument to get back. But a lot of times, you know, if it's just, you know, an attorney picking up the phone and saying to the other side, like, listen, this is like, you know, you let me give you some documents to show that this is all, you know, that your claim is, is frivolous and they agree and that it goes away, then, you know, then you may not get those feedback um, or you, you do, you know, a lot more than that even, you know, a lawsuit's filed and you, you're fighting it and it's not always that you're able to get your feedback and you get your feedback from the employee. It's not the attorney for the, you know, unless it's really super frivolous, it's not the uh, uh, attorney um, who pays back um, those fees. Their, you know, employee comes, you know, to an attorney and the attorney doesn't know. They just got to go based on what, the, you know, their client is telling them. So unless they keep going, even after they have evidence that the case is frivolous, you're not going to get that money from the attorney. It's going to be from the employee. Employees don't have money. Right. That's what they're doing. Right. So they're, you know, so you are, you know, you can get a piece of paper that says they, oh, they need to reimburse you for the hundred thousand dollars that you spent for your attorney. But that doesn't to fight the case. But that doesn't mean that, um, you know, you're going to get that. And even if they have it, they can file bankruptcy. They can, you know, so there's a whole lot of things. So, you know, you really have to be, um, you know, and I tell my employer clients, like, you cannot count on being able to get money from these, you know, employees. Uh, that's, that. that's definitely a really good point. Uh, thank you for calling that out. So one of the last questions I have around this is, all right, so we have a lot of small business owners listening. Some of them are probably like, oh, maybe I'm at, maybe I'm misclassifying or they're in the process where they're trying to build their team for the first time. So they're trying to figure out exactly what is the right thing to do. So what can people do? What can business owners do to make sure that they're making the right decision when they decide that this looks like an independent contractor position? Right. If they are wanting to go to be, if they're wanting somebody or thinking that somebody should be an independent contractor. Now that said, you're never going to get in trouble as far as with, you know, somebody, you know, uh, suing you if you classify somebody who is an independent contractor and you make them an employee. You might pay taxes you shouldn't have. You might be opening yourself up to potential issues for, again, paying the overtime and, and things like that. But you're not going, the IRS isn't going to come out. I mean, you're paying them more taxes. They don't care, right? right. So, you know, so, so, so those kind of, so if you want to really err on the side of safety, you err on the side of them being, you know, an employee. You're not going to get, you know, uh, there's no misclassification where, oh, they, they're an employee and they should have been an independent contractor. That's not, a, you know, nobody's going to sue you for that. 
there are reasons though where you know you may not you know want them to be an employee and they shouldn't be and now i talked myself out of remember what your question was <laughs> just how can you stay safe and know that you're making the right decision for an independent oh, right, right. contractor oh, call me there you go <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah so really yeah talk, talking to you know an employment attorney again like you said there's a lot i mean there's the there's the irs checklist like like you said it's not it's not okay you know this this one thing or these five things or or you know it's not a you know a, a quiz where if you meet five out of ten or you know or, or ten out of twenty or whatever that they're that they're a, a, a independent contractor or an employee um and so really you know and there's case law out there too right so there's cases out there that interpret the irs you know uh, classification you know factors and you need and you know you should have somebody who knows you know about that you know those cases and can talk to you about those cases and your in you know individual situation you're going to get whether it's a, an attorney or a cpa or whoever it is you talk to about this you're going to get an independent answer um right. and, you know nothing it's very very rare that somebody is is really that clear cut i shouldn't say it's rare um, there is a line. Um, unfortunately, it's not rare because people miss, you know, businesses, small businesses in particular, well, even FedEx, you know, sometimes it's really clear. Um, but, you know, there are the, that there is that gray area where it's uh, 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 pros and cons. And again, in my advice in those situations is unless there's really some sort of extenuating circumstances where you just really can't have this person be an employee, then you should classify the gray area as an employee or you start molding it to fit the irs you know standards better um you yes. start doing something that, that will and, and then it could be that it's not just a well dude now i've got to have this person be an employee and i'm gonna to have to pay some back taxes or you will change some things you know um you know make it better so they are you know, or better fit the you know the uh, independent contractor uh rules and and then maybe some simple things that you're able to do on that um, and you can limit yep. your, your liability, whether it's your tax liability or your liability in a lawsuit uh, for that as well. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's great. And that's one thing what I work with a lot with clients is, you know, if it gets to that really blurred line of independent contractor employee, I'm, I always say consult with an attorney because I don't want to take the risk or the liability of leading them right. wrong. But with everything, when we're creating positions for companies, it's like, okay, you have this idea of what you want this position to be. But what's really the best thing for that position to be? And sometimes we have to tweak things. And I remember working with a client in the past and they were, we were kind of navigating that position of, you know, should it be an employee? Should it be an independent contractor? And there were some things it was like, okay, well, if you want it to be clear, 100% clear of this side or this side, here are some things you can and cannot do. Here are some things you need to tweak. Do these things matter to your company if it's on one or the other? Okay, well, if those really matter, it's going to more likely sway it this side than this way. And we were able to have this great conversation and kind of develop what this position should look like. And it was like, okay, and then take this, now go speak to your lawyer and say, okay, have that final check off on their point of view, right. on the legal side, does it still seem right? But because you know, they really wanted an independent contractor position and it's just sometimes that education of here's what that means and you know as business owners you're navigating a lot of new territory when you do this so you don't always understand what it, everything means because you, you haven't done it before so as right. i would say it's like get the help that you need to make sure you're doing things right there's nothing wrong with saying hey can someone help interpret this for me Right. And it's good to have a third set of eyes on there because what I find, especially with small business owners and especially hiring their first, you know, 
first employees is or, or first people, whether whatever they may be, is that it's a control thing. And I know that from my own experience as well. It is like this is my baby, and I'm finally at the point where I'm succeeding enough to bring somebody else on. And and I don't I want them here from this time to this time because I want control. You know, it's hard to do that. And, and a lot of times, especially those first three employees, you're it's like I said, it's past due in part because right. we have problems delegating, you know, our work for our baby. And so, you know, and that, and it's that. So it's good to have an objective person, not only who knows what they're talking about, obviously that's the most important thing, but also somebody who can kind of have that, you know, come to Jesus talk with you about, you know, listen, if this is what you want to do, you're going to have to give up some control because that's really what an independent contractor is, is they have more control over yes. their lives exactly. and, and everything than, than an employee does. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so if someone is in the state of Florida and they need to get in touch with someone to help them navigate these type of issues or really anything dealing with employment law, how can they contact you? Hey, uh, well, my uh, firm uh, office number is 727-316-5333. And then also we are online. Um, I have a, uh, our website is dash firm s-i-r-m dot com um, we have a contact me on uh, on that as well you can also even schedule a, a, a consultation uh, and uh, just for uh, the uh, record too is uh, for uh, new uh, well not new clients who are businesses um, you know we offer a free kind of comprehensive evaluation of their business sit down uh, talk to them, you know, not a specific issue maybe that you're having with like, hey, I need help on this right now, but, you know, hey, what are my, all my employment needs? Or tell me about your business. Or, I'll help you, you know, kind of figure that out and, and kind of, you know, evaluate your potential, you know, employment needs in that respect as well for something that is, again, you don't have a specific issue right now. You just want to get your stuff straight and make sure that everything's good. Um, so, so there's that as well. Uh, but yeah, we're online at goodwin-confirm.com and our phone number again, 727-316-5333. Awesome. And I'll include those in the show notes so people can easily find it. Well, April, thank you so much for your time today. But before you go, I have one question that I like to ask all my guests. You know, this the purpose of this podcast is to really help people become better leaders, better bosses, better employers. And I think we can always learn something by hearing good things about others and how other bosses and other leaders have impacted us. So think about the best boss you've ever had. And can you tell us one characteristic or quality that person had that really made it so it was a good relationship? Um, I would say, yeah, the best boss I ever had was, um, you know, another attorney he was a managing partner and, you know, he wasn't a perfect boss and nobody's perfect. Uh, there are things that I probably, you know, could uh, say that I would change about his management style or what he did. But he actually really cared, you know, about uh, us as people. He cared about uh, making sure that we were developed as, you know, uh, newer, younger attorneys. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, greedy with the work that he had um, to not, you know, share and not mentor us. Um, and, and, but really, you know, it was, um, and he was just a fun guy and, 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 and nice and, um, that really, you know, made a difference. Um, and, and I think that is, um, you know, really the key is, are, are you a leader? If you're a leader, you are, you know, helping the people under you 
even if that means, hey, that it, they may, you know, take off. You know, they may go and fly and do their own thing as I did, or they may, you know, uh, do that. And he, we're still friends, and he is, you know, supportive and has even actually, you know, sent me cases. So that is a uh, really, I think, the hallmark of a good leader is somebody who wants to see their their um, their staff, their employees, you know, succeed, uh, even if it's not within their own business. Oh, that is so great. Yeah, it really sounds like he was a great boss in that area. And that wraps up the interview with April Goodwins here on the Growing Your Team podcast. If you have questions about whether someone is an employee or an independent contractor and you're in the state of Florida, reach out to April and get your questions answered so you can avoid the costly mistake of employee misclassification. If you're not in Florida and you need help, reach out to me. I have lots of contacts across the U.S. that can help you with this matter so you do things right and get the right people on your team without the risk of legal issues or fines from the IRS or any other government institution. Until next time, this is Jamie Van Kuyk. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.